0: Good evening, hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we are learning Maseches Sukkah, Daf Yud Bez. We're starting at the bottom of Yud Aleph Amud around nine or 10 lines from the bottom. We had quoted a rule in our uh, previous Mishnah about Tzchach, and the rule that we that we were talking about was zeha klal, kol davr tuma, that if something is tuma, then it cannot be used for schach. And if it can, if, if, then it can be used for schach. Let's just look back at the rule itself. The Mishnah writes on A'alef A'alef, ha-klal, tuma, min ha-aretz Ein anything that can be tuma and anything that doesn't grow from the ground, that cannot be used for schach. So our Gemara here on 9, 10 lines down asks, min ha-hanimili. how do we know this to be the case? Where do we learn these rules from that the schach? have to be something that are not Meqabu And the Gemara is going to present four different answers up until the Mishnah on Yud-Bayzim one clean sugya. Answers the Gemara with answer number one, amar lakish amar because the Pasuk says, the eid Ha'aretz, eid alaf dalad means in this case, mist or do something that would come up from the ground. And then the Gemara makes a strange comment. Ma'e, just like this mist is davr she'enu mekabal tuma. We know that water is not mekabal tuma. You could have a person who's tamay tuma's nida go into a mikvah. She can come out of the water. The next woman could go in tummy tuma's nida and come out of the water. Both of them would be to her. The water is not mekabal tuma, that we know. But vigidu it grows from the ground. Obviously it doesn't mean it grows from the ground. It means that it's elevating from the ground. Some type of evaporation process is happening. And it's min ha'aretz. So therefore, we know that this aid, that this mist is davr shein mekabal Tuma and it's gidul min ha'aretz. Afsukah, or in particular, the s'chach, that too has the same rules of davr shein mekabal tumah Gidulamin min ha'aretz. So that's answer number one. And in order to understand the depth of this answer, we really need to look at this question. So it says the Gemara six lines from the bottom of Yudalefumadbeis, Hanichalamando Anane Kavod Hayu. We know, of course, we've all heard this uh, from from childhood in our day schools, that the uh, the sukkah is representative of the anane Hakavod. The problem is that, that uh, we have to understand the pesukim here. One shita does hold that the sukkah represents Ananay Hakavod, uh, and the other holds that that's not what the pasuk means. So the Gemara says first it asks our question, and then it actually goes into the brysa. I could understand that we're going to make a comparison between the mist of Eid Yad Haaretz and Schach. I could understand that if you say Anane HaKabod because clouds are mist. That I could understand. But according to the one who says, that the psukim actually indicated that there was no anan for the actual sukkas, but rather there were actual sukkos. So then, my ikolamemar. And now the gemara explains its question in full, five lines from the bottom. Yudalafamadbeis. The, uh, the Tanya, the Brayer writes, the Pusuk says. What does the Pasuk mean when it says basukoso What does the word sukkos mean in this context? That is subject to a machlokis in the tannaim. Answer number one It wasn't actually a sukkah like we know with walls and tzachach. it wasn't. It was anonim. They were being protected by sukkos in quotes. It's not actually the literal translation, but rather something that uh, was a cloud that protected the Jews but Rabbi Akiva savar sukos mamash asulah and the Kodesh baruch actually made sukos for them now we can understand the gemara's question Rabbi Eliezer, I could understand your comparison of aid of mist to the cloud. That works perfectly for Rabbi Eliezer. And that's why we can learn one from the other from the world of water to the world of sukkah, because they're the same. If if the word sukkos in the Torah meant clouds, and this pasik aid yalamina aris is what clouds look like, I understand. Ella Rabbi Akivu holds that the pasuk was talking about Sukkos Mamish, How then can you compare water to, to schach? What does one thing have to do with the other? And therefore, 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 the Gemara presents answer number two. We're satisfied, according to Rabbi Eliezer, but Rabbi Akiva needs another answer. Three lines from the bottom, what is answer number two? So again we're trying to figure out how do we know our ground rules for schach that they have to not be makabotum and that they have to come from the ground here's answer number two kiyasa Ravdimi. when Ravdimi came from Eretz Yisrael to Babel and he came from the shir of Rav Yochanan Omar Rav Yochanan he was in his shir Amar Kra, he said that Rebbe taught us the following thing Rav Yochanan taught us the following the pasuk says chag ha-sukkos the pasuk has the word chag and it has the word sukkos and therefore the pasuk makes a hekish a comparison <clears throat> Between the korban chagiga and a sukkah, namely schach, Ma chagiga, just like a korban chagiga's davar she'enu mekabel tuma, an animal that's alive cannot become tummy and lo min ha-aretz, it grazes and it it grows it grows itself from the ground it doesn't grow from the ground but it eats the grass and therefore can grow lo min ha-aretz, therefore says the gemara last line of yoraleh from the base af tuma lo min ha-aretz, very good so this is answer number 2 where we try to make a hekesh a comparison between the korban chagiga and <clears throat> Uh, and the world of Srach. But on the top of Yud Bezmad Alt the Gemara has a problem with this. Maybe you could take a small little calf and you can tie it at the top of your sukkasch. Because if what you're trying to say is that where we learn schach from, the rules of schach, is from the Korban Chagiga to schach, because the Pasuk has the word Chag, and sukos in the same Pasuk, does that mean that I could use an animal for my schach? There's mishnah that we're going to learn about whether or not you can use an animal for your walls. But for the schach, can't be. So says the Gemara, you're right, and therefore, the Gemara presents answer number three, second line of Yud Bezim and Aleph. When you collect from the grains and from the wine products, and then the Gemara explains the Pasuk. The Pasuk here is talking about the the psolus, what's left over after extracting the grains, so the chaff and whatever other parts of the plant that are there, and whatever is left over after the grapes are pulled away, Uh, you know, the actual cluster, the actual vine itself. So maybe that's what we're talking about. Says the Gemara, well, how do you know from the Pasuk that the Pasuk is talking about the leftovers? Asks the Gemara, Maybe we're talking about grain itself, and maybe we're talking about the grapes itself. And that's very problematic because we know that food is mechabel tuma. Because we're familiar with the custom, as quoted in Shulchan Aruch, that when one eats vegetables that are wet, we're obligated to wash our hands without a bracha, according to all shittahs except for the gra. And this opinion, according to my rabbeim, still applies nowadays. If someone's going to eat uh, washed grapes and they're wet, then you should wash your hands with netilas yadaim proper, two on the right, two on the left, same halachas as usual, just that we don't make a bracha. If you want to avoid that, you can eat with a fork and knife. If you want to avoid that, you can dry off the fruit. the vegetables whatever it is but it is so either way food is macabre tumah so if food is macabre tumah and you're trying to learn from the pasuk and the pasuk is talking about grain and grapes that doesn't work because that's actually macabre tumah so says the gemara how do you know what the pasuk is talking about so Amar am don't worry. Yekev Ksiv Khan. Take a look at Rashi. Third line, Deber Hamaskal, Yekev Ksiv. Yekev is a reference to grapes and Rashi writes, Achar Yayin. The assumption in the Pasuk is that it's already been made into its final product. What are you going to do? Pour wine on top of the sukkah for schach? It's not going to stay there. That doesn't work. So therefore, because Yekev can't be a reference to actual final product of wine, which would have been Makabal Tuma, must be talking about the vine. So too by the grain portions as well. The EF Shar L'Sakech, you're not able to make sch out of wine so therefore the whole pasuk must be talking about the so of the leftovers of the vine from grapes and whatever is left over the chaff etc from the grains but the gemara has a problem with this as well of maybe we should say the yayan karush maybe what we're talking about is that maybe there apparently were people who would like dehydrate the wine into some type of jelly and it was thick enough. We learned about this, I think, in Maseha's Tamid with all the libations in the drains that they would send the Pirchei k- kihuna, the little kids, they'd send them down there to unplug the drains because the wine as it dehydrates would become very thick and and, and gross and I don't know, cellulose looking. So maybe that's what we're talking about. So Amar Abzeira, he kind of throws his hands up, he's like, that's a great point. And we thought we had all the answers in place. And Rabirmia comes along and he throws an axe. This would be today's colloquialism, you threw a wrench into the system. And that was a line that apparently either we got from them or we made up on our own separately of them but that's very clear from the Gemara that was a line that they were using. (laughs) Either way this is a problem because maybe that's really pshat in the Pasuk. (laughs) Maybe when the Pasuk says, Maybe what the Pasuk means is not the psolas, not the branches, which would be a wonderful limut in order for us to learn what schach is. But maybe it's talking about yayin karush, and maybe we should be able to take wine that's congealed and use it as schach on our sukkah. That would be pshat in the Pasuk. So it says the Gemara, no, you've misunderstood the Pasuk. There's one letter you were not looking at carefully. Take a look at this answer eight lines down. Yud bez Ravashi amar. me. Garnicha from the grains, not the grain itself, but from the grains below. Gornatzmo and miyikvecha from the grape product below. Yakibatmo, beautiful diuk in the pasuk, and therefore answer number three stands the test of the Gemara. And what that means is that we learn from this pasuk that the psolus of grain and the psolus of grapes can be used for schach, in that they are not makabel and they are gidulomin min hakarka. Beautiful. All right that's another answer here's answer number 4 and this so will bring us you is that? It's like mush. what is it no it's the branches of it's meek it's not the grapes itself it's the psolas of it's not the grapes itself it's not the wine itself but the vines and the vines are perfectly fine to use you have to pull the grapes off but that's, that is an acceptable response. The Gemara entertained the possibility of congealed wine, but rejected it from the letter mem of miyikvecha, from the grapes, but not the grape itself. And answer number four of amar mehacha, tu hahar you should please bring for me from the mountains, ale. The leaves of, or the branches of zayis, of olives, shemen, Ale hadas, Va' avos. All of these different types of tree branches, a wonderful and acceptable answer, except for a technical side issue, a tangential point. The Gemara says one third of the way down, hainu hadas, hainu etz The way we refer to hadas uh, in the Torah is anaf etz avos ve'arve nachal. This pasuk over here says, alei etz avos. Are they the same things? Let's ask the question in more halachic terms. Are they interchangeable? What you're referring to here in the Pasuk that you can use for schach, can I also put it as part of my lulav and vice versa? What's viable as something to be used for hadasim for my lulav and Esra? Can I also use schach? So the Gemara says, hold, slow down. Don't worry so much. Chizda, There's a wild type of hadasim, which are kosher for a sukkah but not for a lulav and esrog. The eight are avos, lulav, and the thicker one can be used for Alulav. How do we know to distinguish between the two of them? This is one of the things that you will get when you see a heksher on top of your hadasim. Take a look at a critical Rashi for us to understand what hadasim really are. This Rashi is a third of the way down, maybe a drop more, hadas shotte. What is this wild type of hadassim? Says the Gemara, she'ein kasher lulav. And such critical words, whenever we look at our hadasim, we're never going to see them the same our hadasim that we have all three of the leaves emanate from the same place on the stem but the hadasim showed him that it's two and then one so that's what hadasim the ones that we use for Lula and Esrog those have to be ones where all three of the of the leaves Protrude and emanate from one nodule, from one spot on the stem. which are different, and the that's. A, ago, there's plenty of to be pissed along. What? A mold, there's plenty of to be pissed along. Yeah, well, you don't need the whole thing to be perfect. We only need a certain set of it—a tefaḥ, whatever it is. But yeah, that's. I'm sure prior to all the hachshirim of the chazanish and all the other rabbanim Chashuvim, prior to all of that, I am sure that that's the case. Uh, and by the way, we could also walk down, down the street. There are people who have hadassim trees in front of their homes. You could walk over and take a look. Is that kosher for and All three leaves would have to grow from the same spot, all emanating from the same spot. That brings us to a new Mishnah. From here until the end of the day today, we're going to be talking about different types of schach and whether or not those types of schach are kosher. Up until now, Sikum Hadvarim, we learned about the marim Makum of how do we know that schach has to be something that's not Makabaltuma and is something that's gidula in and we presented four different answers. You can look, look through all four of those answers. New Mishnah. Chavilei kash, if you have a bundle of kash of straw, of wood, ziradin, certain types of twigs. So the halacha is ein behem. We're going to play off of this language shortly of ein misachachin behem as to whether or not that language is strong enough to be del or only derabanan. The chulan and all of those, shahitiran ksheros, if you untie the knot that's holding them as a chavila, that's holding them as a um, as an actual bundle, so then it's for sure kasher for schach, the and all of them, even if they are bundled, are ksheros for, sure, for sure. Why not? Let's say you have a warehouse of bales of hay and, and whatever shape you could stack them, one on top of that. That can be your sukkah, no problem at all. Schach is what we're talking about, though. The Gemara opens halfway down, Yud Bezim and Aleph. Amar let's remember his name is going to come up again in about 15 lines. Rabbi Yaakov says, when I was in Tarte, I learned two different Mishnayas, two different sources in the Tanaim from Rabbi Yochanan. One was this Mishnah right here, our Mishnah that we just learned above, that if you have these bundles, then you have to separate them, you have to untie them in order for them to be kosher for schach, and they're always kosher for walls. The Ve'idach, and the other thing that I learned from him, which is also a Mishnah here in the Mesechah that we're going to learn in about four days, uh, Ve'idach uh, hachotet begadish lasos lo sukkah, sukkah So I just want to, I'll explain and then I'll highlight the language here. Hachotet begadish, let's say you have stacks of, uh, of bales of hay. And instead of taking them to build your walls, you literally carve out, you like remove from the middle to build your sukkah. So you already have schach on the top, you have rows, right? And then you just remove out from under it. So we should go in our brain and say that that might be Tasebalomina Asui, right? You have let's say 15, 15 high and, and 10 wide and 10 and 10 deep. Great. And you just take out the middle one. So you have walls and schach left over. That should be very problematic of Tasebalomina Asui, like we learned about the sukkah has to be built in a proper order. You can't put the schach up before you put the walls up, and this wasn't a room. It was, just a, it was just a heap of, uh, of straw, so that doesn't work. We'll see the, in a little bit as to how problematic, in fact, that is. So these were the two Mishnayas that Rabbi Yaakov heard from Rabbi Yochanan. <clears throat> and then Rabbi Yaakov is going to present two rationales as to why each of the, these were problematic, but he doesn't know which rationale applies to which case. Case number one is our Mishnah of the bundles, um, where you want to possibly use them as chach. Case number two is where you're carving out a sukkah from amidst the whole Pile of bundles, and he doesn't know which of the following two reasons applies to each of the cases. Here's number one: Chada mishum gzeras otsar. One is that we had a concern about gzeiras otsar, which we're going to learn about in a little bit. The Chada mishum so In one of them was about doing something out of order, which is a, which is a psul. And in short, the gzeiras otsar is a din that we are afraid that someone is going to to misuse in a way which would be problematic. So let's take a look at. Um, let's see where this Rashi is. Oh, no Rashi here. Okay, a little bit later. So then the Gemara says these are the two concerns. And then the Gemara says two thirds of the way down, Rabbi Yaakov is still speaking remember when we were little kids you'd have to draw a line from the question to the answer so we have our two questions and we have our two answers we just don't know we don't know which way the lines go so it says the gemara i don't know what the problem is let's take a look in other words i know the answer and i'm going to tell it to you but i'm going to say let's see and take a look together because i'm being a nice guy but the answer is right in front of you same Rav yochanan Yochanan, who taught the same mishnayas ravi yaakov why is our Mishnah rabbinically opposed to doing this? Why did the Chachamim say that when it came to bundles of kash, of straw, of wood, and of twigs that you cannot make z'chach, and the Gemara answers... This rabbinic concern with a deoraisa concern. The rabbinic concern is this concept of otsar. Let's see how the concern plays out. Because p'amim sometimes shadam bamina sade ba'erev, a person has been working all day in the field, al He comes home with a big bundle on his shoulder of all of the wheat that he gathered that day, tied up in a perfect bow. And he takes it and puts it on top of the sukkah so that it can dry just to let it dry out if you don't let it dry out it can get ruined it can mold so fine he wants to let it dry but he put it up for that reason and then he changed his mind the nimlach aleha l'sichuch. and then he said you know what this is actually perfect for schach let me just leave the bundle of straw on top of the sukkah all is well says the gemara not all is well because if you were to do that says the gemara the low asui. So if you were to in, have in fact done this, that you put the schach, a bundle of shach, a bundle of straw on top of a sukkah, not for the purpose of schach, just for the purpose of drying out, and once it's up there, you're like, hey, you know what? One less thing to do. My sukkah is built already. So the halacha is that that's a psul de oraisa, and therefore, because that is a psul de oraisa, we therefore don't allow any bundles of hay to be put up, even if you put it up there with the right intentions. Doesn't make a difference. It's a rabbinic injunction. We do not put up bundles of Heishach out of concern of Xeras otzar, that we're afraid that you may uh, inadvertently put it up to dry and change your mind. And that would be a psalm. And so we have an Isra Reis, a concern, but here we have a rabbinic injunction to never use bundles, even if your intention is perfect. So therefore, says the Gemara, the uh, second to last of the short lines, because our mishnah is dealing with an iser Asui, The second, the second case where you're carving out the shape of a sukkah from amidst a stack of many bundles of schach, that must be the concern of tasevelomina asui. It's rational to us anyway to say that that case is tasevelomina asui because you're leaving up walls, you're pulling out the ones in the middle, you make a doorway, you, know, you pull out four stacks in a row, you got a door. You go, you keep pulling them out till so your sukkah is absolutely perfect, but the are already there. So that's what the Gemara says. And in fact, it's so obvious that the Gemara doesn't understand why Rabbi, why Rabbi Yaakov didn't know the answer. Asks the Gemara, last short line, Rabbi Yaakov, what, what's the deal? You're big Talmud Chacham. Why don't you know the answer to this? So says the Gemara, because he just never heard the answer. He could have conjectured and postured on his own. He just didn't know the answer. So that, that is the Gemara's conclusion. Says the Gemara, hold on one second. I understand your concern about the bundles of straw and the bundles of wood. I understand about that, that you have a rabbinic concern to never use them, even if you're putting them on the roof for the right reason, out of concern that you may put them up for the right reason. But why don't you also say that, why do you say, leika? why doesn't that apply? Remember, we had two cases and two laws. And we said that our Mishnah is about Gzei Ras Why isn't our Mishnah also about Ta'asevela minah Asui? So it says the Gemara, Mishum Ta'asevela minah Asui, Leka. And not only that, but in the second case, V'hachote, the case where you're carving out Be'gadish from a whole pile of uh, of bundles, there we said, Mishum Ta'asevela minah Asui, because you're carving out a Sukkot already in place, and you're basically carving out the opening... With the roof in place, that's Ta'asibulum <laughs> But don't you also have Mishum Gzeras Osar Leka? Don't you also have the rabbinic concern on top of that? That when you put the schach there in the first place, it shouldn't work either. That should be Asr Midra Forget about the Psul Del We should also be Asr even before you get to any del Dorisa. So says the Gemara, and this is where the language becomes very key. There's a difference in language between the two cases, between our Mishnah, which spoke about the bundles, and the case of chotate where you're going to be carving out. Um, an inside sukkah from within the pile of all of the straw. The Rav Yochanan he will answer for you, and we're in the bottom line of Yud-Bei He will answer, Hacha Diktani, here in our Mishnah, what does our Mishnah say? If you scan back up at our Mishnah, halfway down, it says at the second line of our Mishnah, Ein misachachin bo. So we're quoting that word, Ein. Last line, Amar diktani. Here in our case, where the bundles are not allowed to be used by rabbinic injunction of Otsar xera, we're afraid that you may put it up for the wrong reason. The language of our Mishnah was, Ein misachachin That's, That's it, you're not allowed to use it. Top of your basement, that's only, but, that's only a din de so dami. Technically speaking, if I want to use schach of a bundle of straw, and my intent is correct, I'm putting it on top of this sukkah to be schach. So af that me de it's not right, I violated an esr de Rabbanon. But at the end of the day, it still works. And that's the diuk on the language in our mission, which was a more gentle language of. Ein bahem. It's not puzzle. It's not usr. It's. And you shouldn't do it. But if you did it, it would still be. Del raisa. But hasam, in the case where you're carving out a sukkah from within a bundle of many, many bundles of, uh, of the straw, hasam, second line, dikatani, ain a sukkah. Doesn't say in Look at the language. Ain't sukkah. It's not a sukkah. That's not a psul Afilu diavad nami Even if you already did it, zero. A total flat line. That's not a sukkah. So the difference in language in the two Mishnah is our Mishnah says misachachin You should not use this first khach. versus the second Mishnah, which says ain't sukkah, very different. Therefore, the one that's ain much stronger, that's triggering the din deoraisa of tassev which is a psal del raisa. But our mishnah, which is ain behen, you shouldn't use it. You shouldn't do it. If you're gonna do it, it's gonna be kosher. That's ain behen. That's the yisur derabanan. Says Rav Yochanan. That's the yisur derabanan of gzeras otsar. <clears throat> We're gonna learn a couple of cases right now. Uh, that you know, if you ever uh, let's say that uh, you have forty nine percent of schach. And the last option for you to use is a broomstick. Is a broomstick considered to be tuma, a mechabal tumah, a clee a- 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 that's mechabal tumah, yes or no? We can make a very easy diuk from this Gemara. Says the Gemara, third line. Yud be'ez med Amar Yehuda amarav. psula. If you make z'chach out of a chetz, out of a piece of wood, out of, out of an arrow, the wood that goes into an arrow, that's a zachar. Namely, let's say that you have an arrow and the end of that arrow is a tapered extension that goes inside an arrow okay so that's the male the wood is the male part the arrow is the female part if the wood is the male part it has a protrusion at the end that extends into the arrow so then says the gemara sheira, no problem but psula. <laughs> but if it were to be that the arrow was the male portion and it inserted into the wood and therefore the wood at its end had a base at a at a, at a had a little, seemingly a little hole in it to receive the arrow, that's psula, that's psula. So it says the Gemara. that's great, I could have told you that, that's our broomsticks. Our broomsticks at the end have threading on it to screw into the plastic of the bottom of the broom, right? Most of them are made that way. So if, if at the end of the wood it has the male portion which has the threads in it, and then it can it can be put onto the broom, that's great, that's totally kosher, says the Gemara. Pshita. In fact, it's so obvious that that's kosher, why would you even bother teaching me that if you have a piece of wood that has a protrusion at the end to be inserted into another part of the cleave? Of course, that's kosher. Answers the Gemara, fifth, sixth line. I had to teach this for the following reason because if I didn't teach that a, a wood that a piece of wood that has a slight extension on it, I might have thought that if there was a handle on it that had a male protrusion, I might have made a that that should not be used because it's easy to mix up with uh, a piece of wood that has an, uh, a concave on the other side to receive something. So there says the Gemara that that's not true, that as long as the wood has a protrusion at its end, it's considered kosher. And says the Gemara as well, um, uh, one third of the way down, that also should be the case that it should be obvious that if at the end of the wood, there's a Klee keyboard there's an indentation to receive another cleat Let's say the arrow, the metal part has an extension that should go into the wood. So then for sure that piece of wood should be a problem because it's macabre. It has a, a, a base keyboard in it. If it has a base keyboard then it's Meqabo Tuma because it's a Klee. So says the Gemara, that's Pshita also. Why did you have to tell me that this, that the Nekevos, that a piece of wood that has uh, an opening in order to ensure something can be inserted into it, that that's psula? says the Gemara because mama base this is a line. I might have argued that if the way that the arrow was made that the piece of wood had a hole in it in which to receive the arrow but because the whole point of the hole in the wood was to be, Filled up by the arrow, therefore it's not considered a base keyboard. That's not the final product. The final product is when the arrow is put in. So have a mina that maybe it would be kosher, because even though it has a base keyboard to receive the arrow, but my greater concern is what does the final product look like? And there's no arrow yet, so therefore the wood is is, is not a clay yet. It should be mutter, kamash malan, that that's not the case, says the gemara, kamash malan, that once there's a base keyboard, even if the arrow has yet to be put in, it is still going to be considered uh, a problem. Says the Gemara next case. Um, Flax was very common uh, to be used back in the day. Three step process for prepping it. First, they would soak it to soften it, and then they would smash it to get it to its fibers, and then they would comb it from all of its uh, impurities. So, says Rav Yohanan halfway down. Once you have. Um, once you have uh, a flax that's been combed already, it's last part of the process, it's soaking, beating, and then combing. Once it's been combed already, for sure that's psula, that's makabal tuma. that's a final product. That's not allowed to be used. Behutzni, if it's unprocessed, right? You haven't done anything to it, then everyone agrees that pishtan Kshayra, that you can use flax for schach, no problem at all. The bigger problem is bihushni. all of these words are very similar and not normal words, Hushni, The shin reminds me of partial, just so that I can remember it's only partially prepared. And here the Gemara says, Ani yodea mahu." First of all, says the Gemara, I don't know what the din is, and second of all, I don't even know what stage of preparation I'm talking about when I say I don't know. It's a double lack of knowledge. The hushni atzman any yodea, and says the Gemara, Manushach. No matter how you look at it, I'm just not sure if it's been crushed but not combed maybe there we say hushni karile but aval tari had it been soaked dike, then hushni karile then for sure that's going to be considered unprocessed odilma or perhaps no tari dike nami hushni karile or maybe maybe even if you only do the first step of soaking that's also considered partial flax and therefore it enters the category of i'm not sure what to do with it and the Gemara leaves it without any clear knowledge. Amari of Hani Shushe So I, I I didn't have a chance to write this down in my Gemara and I couldn't remember what it was. So I have it right here. It says in the article, ferns and artemisia. These are different uh, types of trees that were, or bushes that were used for schach. So Rabbi Yehuda, the Amora says that misachachin behu, you're allowed. Abaye says you're not allowed. Why? Abaye Amar With the first one, with ferns, you are allowed, but b'Shavtiri you're not. With Artemisia, you're not allowed. Why? What's wrong with Artemisia? So says the Gemara. My Taima, Rechaihu, Since it smells very bad, Rashi It smells terrible it's an awful smell Shavikluhu, who people are going to leave the sukkah of a nafik and because of that it's not a psul inherently in it it is the right material it checks all the boxes of not being makabaltuma and gidulamin ha'aretz. the problem is that it kicks people out of the sukkah it smells awful so therefore you're not allowed again not a psul inherently it's a secondary problem but therefore you're not allowed to use it last case for the night top of your gimlamen alah these are different types of, of small thorny bushes. The first one, yes, but with thorn bushes, why not? Since its leaves readily fall off of the branch and will fall into your food, it's super annoying. Who wants to eat soup with thorns in it? That's for sure going to be very annoying. And therefore, a person should not use the Higi, but they are allowed to use the hezmi. We're going to stop right here, five lines down on Yud Gimel Amadalif. We will pick up tomorrow night with Daf Yud Gimel. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Thank you.